This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. The promises of God are like the mountains and like the bedrock on which we can build our lives. You don't build your house on the sand, you build your house on the rock. And the rock is the promise of God, and we need to hold on to the promises. Hopefully, as you watch that, maybe um, some promises came into mind that you would think about. Hopefully, you do, because um, we said earlier that knowing who God is uh, is really important. And one of the things that God reveals himself is as a promise maker, but also a promise keeper. And you need to understand that. So let me ask you a question. If you could go back in time or go back and visit, not necessarily in time, but if you could go back to a significant place in your life where something significant happened to you, where would you go to? What are some of the places that you might visit if you wanted to visit some place significant. I don't know who those two girls are in the, in the picture. Uh, I have no, well, actually I do. They're, they, they're, they live across the street from me when I was a kid. Um, the reason I put that picture up is in the background, that white car is my dad's car. It was a 62 Ford Galaxy, and that's the house I lived in. Can't see much of it, but usually when I get home to Windsor, I usually go down that street and stop and see where my house lived, where I was brought up. The second picture you can't see very well, at least I can't see it, it's a football stadium where we played uh, our football games on Friday nights, our Friday night lights place, and uh, spent a lot of time there, either going to games or playing in games. And then the uh, third picture on the right-hand side is a picture of the Bible school I went to in Saskatoon. Significant places in my life, and I could name many many more. You probably could too. One of the things that we read about in the Bible is that when something happened significantly in a place, often they change the name of that place. So for instance, um, a city called Luz, it means almond tree. Um, It was a city, a town, and uh, a man was passing through by the name of Jacob. You've heard the story. Jacob fell asleep in Luz with a rock as his pillow. And in the middle of the night, he's had a dream in which he saw visions of angels walking up and down the stairs and Bible says that when he woke up in the morning, he called the place Bethel, the house of God. The name changed from Luz, almond tree, to Bethel, the house of God. Uh, there's a place in the, in the wilderness of Sinai that had a specific name, and then because it was where the people rebelled against God and many people died and were buried, it became the place of graves. The name was changed, and I can't pronounce the Hebrew name, but it became the place of graves. And of course, we can't help but read the story in the book of Genesis of Abraham, who was commanded by God in one of the strangest stories in the Bible, commanded by God to go and sacrifice his son, to offer his son as a burnt sacrifice. And so Isaac went with his father, but they never took an animal to sacrifice. And Isaac, being the sharp young man, that he was, said, Father, we have wood, we have fire, 
but there's no sacrifice. Little did he know. And dad said to him, God will provide. And when they, um, when he was right at the point of the time where he was going to offer his son and, and kill his son with a knife, the Bible says that God called out from heaven and stopped him in the middle of his strike and said, don't do it, stop. And the Bible says that Abraham looked and there was a sacrifice. God intended Abraham to offer his son as a sacrifice, but instead God provided a sacrifice. And the Bible says that Abraham changed the name of that place to Jehovah-Jireh, which means God will provide. God will provide. That means every time they pass that place, they would go back past the place where they were reminded God will provide. The Lord will provide. We've been speaking about the promises of God, and they're really, really, really important to uh, understand the promises of God. You can't build your lives on people. Let me just say that. You cannot build your life on people. A number of years ago, I've told this story before, but a number of years ago, a woman from our congregation was very, very sick. In fact, uh, Elaine and I went into the city of Winnipeg to visit her in the hospital, and she was as close to death as anybody I've ever seen. She was near death, and she was so worried because she was so sick that they were not going to allow her to fly to Toronto to see this big-name evangelist. She couldn't go, and she was sad, because she was building her life on the hope of a person. And I remember saying to her, well, I can't take you to Toronto, but I serve the same God. We can pray right here and right now. And we prayed a simple prayer, and uh, I don't know that anything happened in that moment, but I know she's still alive and still serving God. Don't build your life on people. You got to have a promise. You got to have a promise. Don't build your life on experiences. There are people who tell me, oh, way back when I was 10 or 15 or something, I went to camp and I had this wonderful time and it was all great and wonderful. How many know that experiences pass? They don't last, they move on, and you have different experiences. You can't build your life on an experience, you can't build your life on emotions. Oh, I remember times when, you know, we'd kneel at an altar and we'd pray and we'd cry and have all these emotional stuff going on. Hey, you cannot build your life on emotions. Emotions change. You need a promise. You've got to build your life on a promise. Those are the solid rocks on which you can build your life. It's the word of God, which is eternal. It's certain. It's guaranteed. And God always keeps his word. So you need to build your life on a promise. And so throughout the Bible, God promises that he will provide for his people. It's one of those amazing promises that's written over and over and over throughout the scripture in many different ways, in many different forms that you have to hang on to. Maybe right now you don't need God's provision, but I guarantee you at some point in time, you're going to come and have a needy day. It may be needy financially, it may be needy emotionally, it may be needy spiritually, uh, it may be needy in regards to your family or job or anything else, and you're going to have a time of need, and you're going to need something from God, and the Bible says that God is a provider, and he always provides for his people. 
He does not withhold. Remember the psalm we read earlier, Psalm 84? No good thing will I withhold from those whose walks are blameless. You're going to follow God? God will not withhold anything from you. He will bless you and pour out blessing. All through the scriptures, the people held on to this promise of God for centuries, and you need to as well. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. What a powerful promise that is. What a powerful promise it is. Matthew 6, Jesus speaking. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And the things he was talking about were food and clothes. Don't worry about the material things of life, but if you seek God first, he will look after everything else. Put God first. And that's a powerful promise. And so the question I have for you today, I'm not going to spend a long time on it, but how does God... How does God uh, provide for his people? How does God provide for you? And we've got four things. Just going to go through them very quickly. Number one is work. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no more, but must work doing something useful with their hands but they, that they may have something to share with those in need. Wouldn't you have loved being a part of the Ephesian church where the pastor's sermon has, uh, by the way, you guys who are still stealing, quit. That'd be a fun church to be a part of. You'd never know if your coat was going to be on the rack when you went out after church because somebody else might need a coat. I remember once going to a, a thing, uh, some, some uh, church thing in another town, and I came out in my, at that time I was wearing rubber boots over top of my shoes, and they were gone. Somebody took them. Isn't that fun to go to church never knowing that somebody might steal your stuff? Here's Paul writing to the Ephesians, and he says, you guys sitting in the church, you who used to be thieves, stop it. Quit, quit stealing and go get a job. Go get a job and work for yourself and work to provide for yourself. It's one of the main ways God provides for us, isn't it? We get a job. We work. We work with our hands and we do the things that we need to do to provide. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever. That's, isn't that powerful statements? Deuteronomy 8, 18, chapter 8, verse 18. It says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. Just yesterday, I was listening to something, and the guy said, um, it's better to prepare and not have an opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. Think about that for a few minutes. Sometimes we need to get a job. Sometimes we need to get a better job. But that may mean you need to prepare yourself. It may need going to school. It may mean getting some training to get the job. Spoke to a guy last night, and uh, he was telling me that he's in training to be a butcher. Here's a guy who's going into training to take something so that he can have a job and provide for himself. I thought that was pretty cool. One of the ways that God provides for us, the number one way that God provides for us, is that we learn how to work. 
number two way that God provides for us is through other people. Uh, God uses other people sometimes to provide for the needs of his people. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I won't read the whole story, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, um, Paul talks about a need, a famine, and the churches were to gather money so that they could send an offering to Jerusalem where the famine was to look after the people. It's something that we do sometimes when, when we see needs around the world. And uh, we, we have a thing that we call ERDO, Emergency Relief and Development Overseas. And, and uh, we've sent money as a church to some places around the world because there's needs there. Sometimes God uses us to provide for the needs of other people. And many of you, I'm sure, at some point in time in your life, have had other people provide for your need, uh, provide for you. And that's always encouraging when somebody does that. In Philippians chapter 4, um, Paul writes to a church in Macedonia, and he says, you know, you were the only church that looked after my need. It's one of the ways God provides for us, is sometimes others come alongside and help us through difficult times. That's understandable, and we need that. We need to understand that. The third thing I want to talk about, and I don't know, I don't know what to call it, really, and so you'll, you'll pardon me for the phrase, because in, in my thinking, my sermon preparation, I couldn't come up with a good term, but I'll just call it principles of giving. Principles of giving. There are principles in the Bible that we have to live by if we hope for God to provide for us. Let's look at number one. This one is first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you should abound in every good work. What a promise from God. But God says there's a principle here. God loves people who are generous. There's a principle that if you sow, you will reap. You sow, you reap. You give and you receive. That's a principle in Scripture. It sounds almost, I mean, if, if I were the, just to come out and say that to you, you would think, well, pastor is really, you know, trying to pull a scam over us. We give, we receive. I didn't say it. God said it. It's not my principle. It's God's principle. God says there's a biblical principle, a spiritual principle of giving and receiving, sowing and reaping. Some people, I find some people in times of great need, it's, it's, I, I thought of this this week, and, and pardon me if it sounds too weird, but there's a phrase that we used to use, and I don't hear it used anymore, and understandably. You cut off your nose to spite your face. You ever heard that phrase? Cutting off your nose to spite your face. You're not happy with your nose. You're not happy with how you look. So you cut your nose off to make yourself look better. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? I mean, it's just a crazy phrase. But some people, in times of need, they want to hoard, bring, give, give me, give me, give me. The Bible says one of the ways we get out of times of need is we learn to give to somebody else. We minister to somebody else and we give. And that's a principle that can be used in the church. It's a principle that can be used in your home, in your business. We learn how to give. We learn how to sow 
bountifully so that we can reap bountifully. That's a biblical principle. Let's go to the next one. It's an Old Testament one, Malachi chapter 3. You've heard it before. I know it's hard to read. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then will all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Again, as a pastor, I've been a pastor for 40 years, and I'm always surprised when I walk into churches that there are some people who want to argue with me about tithing. Well, I don't believe in tithing. Well, read it. It's a biblical principle. You tithe, God blesses. You tithe, God opens the windows of blessing and pours out blessing into your life. You can, you can fight with me if you want it. I didn't say it. God says it. Some of you are so young, you're not even sure what tithing means. It means a tenth of your income. Whatever you bring in, you give a tenth of. I've had, I've had old Christians, older Christians, say, well, I can't afford to do that. And what I give is I pay off all my bills and then I, and then I pay to the church. That's actually not what the Bible says. The Bible says whatever you give or whatever you receive, you take a tenth of. So you get a dollar. My math is there. Check me on this. You get a dollar, you give 10 cents. $10, you give $1. $100, $10. You got the point. You got the math. 10%. And so whether you're a millionaire or whether you're a pauper, it's still 10%. And God says that he'll bless you. He'll open windows of blessing for you and pour out blessing that you can't contain it. And not only that, but he'll stop bad things from happening to you. Again, I can say this because I'm leaving in a month's time. (laughs) Tithing is really important to a church. But forget that, it's really important to you. You're hurting yourself by not giving. You hurt yourself. It's not a matter of the church. It's a matter of you. And we need to learn the principles. One of the ways that God provides for his people is we live by the principles of giving according to the scripture. And then the last thing we're going to talk about just real quickly is supernaturally. God provides for us at times supernaturally. We read in John chapter 8, or pardon me, John chapter 6, about Jesus feeding the 5,000 with just a little boy's lunch. We read in Exodus chapter 19 that God provided manna for the people of Israel all through 40 years of wilderness. Every morning they just went out and picked up their bread and they had enough for the day. And they did it for 40 years. They never had to work for it, just went and picked it up every day. And uh, never had to pay for it, God provided. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 5, it says that for 40 years their shoes and their clothes never wore out. How many would love that today? And nobody's putting up their hand because we like to buy new stuff. <laughs> we want to go to the store and buy new stuff. And uh, TV tells us there's a new style, so we've got to go here. But here it says that for 40 years, nothing wore out. Shoes, same old shoes from 40 years ago, but they were still as good as new. Isn't that amazing? God provides at times supernaturally for us. Now, isn't that funny how we often jump to number four right away in our prayers? We often jump right away to God providing for us supernaturally. Um, We often pray, oh God, you know, I have this need and we're hoping that it's supernaturally going to be met. Sometimes we need to go through the process. We may need to get a job. We may need to get a better job. 
We may need to prepare ourselves for the opportunities that come our way. We may, learn, we may need to learn to help others and be a channel of blessing. We may need to learn to give so that we can receive, learn to sow in order to reap. And when all that fails, we can trust for a God who provides supernaturally. Isn't it wonderful? I said, isn't it wonderful? God provides for his people. Not just financially, he provides for our health. He provides our emotional well-being. We serve a wonderful God. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. You, you put your trust in God, and he will provide for you. It's powerful. As I said before, there are times when everything's going well, but there's other times when you're going to need help. I've talked to people who are students, and uh, they had student loans, and they didn't know how they were going to make it through, and you talk to them about the principles of pro- provision. Uh, learn to give. Learn to get a good job and get some training and do what you need to do and, and be generous. And, you know, it's amazing how sometimes they come back to you and say, you know, Pastor, God met my need. I don't know how, but God met my need. God provided for me. I've talked to people in dire straits, and God has met their need in, in remarkable ways at times. You read the stories. There's a man in England by the name of George Mueller who started an orphanage. At one time in London, during some of the darkest days of London, he had over 800 children that he was looking after in different foster homes. And George Mueller, when he started his ministry, said, I'll never ask anybody for a dime. I will not ask anybody for financial support. I'm just going to trust God. And they tell the stories how miraculously, time after time after time, God provided. At times, the children would be sitting at the table waiting for breakfast, and they'd pray God's blessing on the food even when there was no food. Nothing. And a door would knock, come to the door, and somebody would come and provide food for them. Those stories are innumerable. There are all kinds of stories. Some of you have experienced similar instances where God has provided for you. So let me just close by offering you some promises. These are powerful promises. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. You don't have it underlined in your Bible? You should. You should have it marked in red. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You need to have that marked, memorized, underlined, do everything you can. My God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's a powerful promise. Psalm 37, verse 25, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or children or their children begging bread. God says, I've served him, or or the psalmist says, I've served God a long time. God always is faithful to his word. Always, always, always. And then the last one, Psalm 34, verse 10, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. These are the kinds of promises you need to underline in your Bible. You need to read them over and over, and there's times when you're going to be hungry. There's going to be times when maybe you need a job. There's going to be times when there's a financial need. The Bible says that you'll lack no good thing if you put your trust in God. I just want to encourage you in that. I want to encourage every one of you in that 
position. If you're in a place of blessing right now where you can bless others, be generous, be gracious, give to those who are in need. Don't withhold, give as you're able to give and do it for God's glory. And don't do it with the idea of getting back, but just be generous and God will bless you. If you're in a time of need right now, hold on to the promises of God. Hold on. God will provide for you. God will provide. It's one of the great promises of God. Canada Day. The story goes that the Fathers of Confederation were meeting in Prince Edward Island as they talked about the nation coming together as one. And one of the discussions they had was, what are we going to call this new country? They didn't want to call it a kingdom. They weren't going to call it a republic. They didn't really know what they were going to call it. And there, there was a man by the name of Tilly. You know the Tilly hats? There's a man by the name of Tilly. He was, a prime, or he was one of the premiers of one of the provinces at that time. And uh, they were coming together, and in his devotions that day, he was reading from the psalm, Psalm 81, I believe it is, that says, And he shall have dominion from sea to sea. He went back to the meeting when they met that morning, and he told them what he had read in the scriptures. And so... Canada, our official name is the Dominion of Canada. And it comes from the Bible. You see, God provides wisdom even when we lack wisdom. When we don't know what to say, God promises that he will provide wisdom for you. So my message to you is really, really simple. You serve a God who is faithful and he will provide Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, will provide. Maybe years from now, some of you may walk back inside the doors of this church and you may remember this Sunday as the day God's promise really got through to your heart and mind. This is the day I remember hearing about the Lord who provides. You need healing? He's your provider. You need emotional stability, he's your provider. You need financial well-being, he's your provider. He's a good, good father. And we're his children. It's who he is, and it's who we are. I have a short video for you to watch. It's just a benediction, a closing prayer that comes from the book of Ephesians. And uh, it's a great prayer that uh, talks about God's ability just watch this as we close our service. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Today is a special day at Bethel. Today is the first day of camp. We have ice cream today. I tell you, don't tell the people who go to camp 
because then they'll want to be here next year. But we have ice cream today. It's in our family life center, and you're invited to join us as we have a time of fellowship. And don't run off. Please stick around and uh, come and visit with us. Have a have a taste of ice cream. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father God, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. How great you are. What a great provider you are. We've been young and we've been old and we've never seen the righteous forsaking. We've never seen your seed begging for bread. You provide for your children. Those who trust you will lack no good thing. May this promise ring true in our hearts over and over again. Times when we're going through blessing, may we be a blessing to other people, not holding anything back, but may we give freely, not worried about what the future is because you will provide. Lord, when we're in time of need, when it's so easy to be fretful and worry, may we hold on to the promise that you've not forgotten us, you've not forsaken us, but you will provide. In various ways, you will provide. That's your promise. So, Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this people. I thank you for this great country we live in. And, Father, may we have a great day as we serve you, as we worship you, as we um, enjoy this weekend. We pray your blessing upon each one. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. God bless you. Make your way over there and get some uh, ice cream. God bless you.